Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. So part of my, I'm a bit older, and so like my uh, substance use um, didn't really start until later on in life. And for me, it started when I came out. Um, And so like I came out and then I didn't handle it well, um, uh, along with a lot of other things that were happening in my life. And so, um, you know, when I, started looking for sobriety, I looked for a place that would also work work with me on, you know, my sexuality and and just knowing that I wasn't sure what I was doing and where I was at. I knew that my sexuality had something to do with my drinking, um, you know, and, and therefore like, you know, looking for the appropriate treatment that I could find. And so I saw, um, I found pride, um, I live in Minneapolis, so I looked in the Minneapolis area, and Pride was the first thing that came up. So it's like, that's what drove me to Pride originally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so when you mentioned um, that, you know, coming out was didn't go well for you and, and was uh, difficult, what about it was difficult? Um, it was really all my internal beliefs. You know, um, I grew up in a religious family on one side, not so much on the other. Um, but we also were, we grew up very, very uh, poor where like one side of the family just, um, you know, if there was any, any type of, um, actions or attitudes or anything that didn't, uh, just, you know, didn't fit who you were as a, like what they saw you. So like they saw me as a male, um, I was feminine. Mm Uh, they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Family kind of like did a lot of, I have, I come from a large family too. Mm-hmm. And so like it was, I was the youngest at the time out of eight. Mm-hmm. So like my brothers and sisters kind of raised me. And so that caused a lot of problems, you know, for me. And so what I did is I learned from them, which, you know, at, you know, their level of mentality, wasn't very good. There were children too, right? And being raised by children, you start to believe all of this stuff, you know, and they would relentlessly, uh, there was teasing and, and, and and that kind of thing. And, and then on the other side is the Catholic side where, you know, um, you know, I heard one time or maybe three times that if you're gay, you're going to have, right. Like everybody hears that or whatever, but I took that to heart. Yeah. And as so many do. Um, and so it's like, but I really, you know, I, you know, like I did try to do everything I could do to be correct and do the right thing. But knowing that I was damned for something that I couldn't control, like I tried to control it. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I never, you know, like I just, if I, if I say it out loud and it's true, you know, then it's over, right? I can't go back, mm-hmm. right? As we know, right? Um, there's no going back. And so, like, I just didn't want to have that finite um, in my own thoughts. That finite of oh shit, if I come out and if I start acting in in that way, and then you know I'm going to hell, right? All yeah. that good stuff, right? So it took me a long time to just say, well, you know, there's nothing more I can do. 
because, you know, in 38 years old, um, you know, I had lots of years to try. That was enough. I couldn't do it anymore, you know. And so then the drinking would just help me at the time. That was my medication. Yeah. That was my medication to survive everything that I was going through uh, emotionally, mentally, that I didn't at the time really know that I was going through it. I just knew that, you know, everything was like uh, my whole world came crashing down because I developed a whole personality around a person that didn't exist as we do. Right. So, but 30, you know, being 38 ish around somewhere around there for, you know, I can't remember, but being that age, uh, I, I had a lot of time to build a, a person that didn't exist. Right. So I came out, you know, like I had all of these friendships and I felt like I just lied to everybody and everything. And this, my whole life was a big lie. And that like, I was so bare, yeah. you know, and exposed. And I just didn't seek out the correct help that I probably should have at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, like in my growing up and stuff like getting help, you know, is a sign of weakness, mental illness, sign of weakness, mm -hmm. addiction, weakness, like weakness, you know, it's like all of that stuff, but it's like, it's so crazy. Cause if you look at my family, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you're like the most normal, you know, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote, you know, right. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like, you know, but I, you know, when you grow into this, you know, you don't know any better. Right. You know? Um, and so like all of that just really kind of, you know, being that, bear and not really having any, not looking, I didn't look for help. You know, I just grabbed it mm -hmm. and found it um, and started drinking it. Yeah. So it's interesting <laughs> because you say it was internal, but, and, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with that as well, that internalized homophobia, but it's all Huge. fed by external factors. Yeah. About how we're raised, what we obtain visually through society, what we watch on TV. So I think it makes perfect sense. And I think that like unanimously, I haven't found somebody in this community that hasn't struggled with that at a time mm -hmm. in their life. Yeah. Um, and you're exactly right too with, I mean, it makes sense why you would have developed maybe like substance use issues because it does work like a medicine and it did get you through that chapter of your life. Um, but that doesn't mean that it has to get you through this next chapter. Right, for me that, you know, now I can look back and, and, and see how many better ways there were that I could have gone about these things, you know, sought help and got some therapy and got some, you know, um, <laughs> read a book, you know, <laughs> like, holy cow, there's so much out there that can help, mm -hmm. you know, and that was one of the biggest things for me in my recovery is when I started reading all of these, you know, really good books um, and, and just it helped me understand that, you know, that you, my thinking was flawed, my, you know, where, you know, like it helped me see me from a distance. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but like I could look at my actions and my thoughts now and look at them as like, like they're tied together, but I don't have to accept my thoughts as what they are. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, at the time, I didn't know that. Yeah. For a long time, I like this, all this stuff that's going on upstairs is what's going on. Yeah. Right. Like there was no separation. And now I can look at my thoughts and go, oh, okay, well, that's, you don't have to act on that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe let's do something different or or recognize that I'm going down a path that isn't healthy for me. I couldn't see that before, you know, like I saw it differently. I could see some of it before because I was successful, successful um, in, in career and, uh, you know, finance and, you know, all of that. I did all of that good stuff empty inside. Right. You know, so like I worked on all the ex exterior factors in my life, like good job, money, car, you know, all of that stuff, taking care of other family members and stuff, doing those good things, empty inside. Because I wasn't working on the inside of the house. I was just putting lipstick on, you know. A pretty face. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, and it's like, you know, but the interior was just a mess. Yeah. Was crumbling. So, you know, that's, I can see that now and I can see the different directions I can go. Um, and I'm working on the interior and I have let the exterior be what it is, you know, and, and, and just working on that, on the bones of the house. And it's like, it's so much better now. I see so many things differently today than I ever used to. And, you know, to put to words, the feelings that you get when I look at the things that I've accomplished since since being in recovery, uh, the people that I've met, the people that I connect with, people that I help that help me. Um, and it's so funny that that helping process, it's like it does more for me than it does for mm-hmm. them, you know, uh, other people. And it's like, and, and when I can recognize that, I never used to recognize, I used to be resentful when I would help somebody. Yeah. And I'd be resentful because I wouldn't get the same thing back. And it was like, well, then I'm not doing it right. You know what I mean? Like At the time, I didn't see it that way. I saw, wow, I, I'm always doing for others and nobody's doing for me. Mm-hmm. And Which is kind of like a little bit of like, woe is me. I get stuck woe with that is too. Me. Victim too. And then yeah. that's a really interesting point because um, a friend and I just had this conversation about like why, what our motivations are to do things for other people. Is it so we can get it in return? which is actually kind of selfish in a way, or mm-hmm. is it out of the kindness of our own hearts? Right. And then finding that balance is kind of difficult, right? Because it's like, well, we can't always be a doormat either, or we do need to get things in return. But to your point, in this field specifically, like and in this area of life, like you have to give out of the kindness of your own heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the only way to receive back. Mm-hmm. You know, truly receive mm-hmm. anything back. Yeah. Um, you know, that what I can a- actually ask myself today, you know, when somebody asks me for something, like, because my family, like I said, there it's a lot of people, not wealthy. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of giving. Mm-hmm. And I've done, and I've had a lot of resentment for it, right? But now when somebody asks me for something or asks me, you know, can I help them with something like that? I literally immediately ask myself if I'm going to have a resentment if I say yes. Mm-hmm. So if I can ask myself if I'm going to be resentful, um, then the answer is no. You know, and if I'm not, and typically when I ask myself that question, the answer typically ends up being yes. Right. Because now I've I've taken control. I don't feel like somebody's burden, you know, so I, I don't feel that anymore. You know, it's like, so I can just feel, um, you know, grateful um, that I'm in a position to give, you know, grateful that I can say no now that I wasn't able to do before. So it's a lot of change um, in the way that I think today than, well, I guess it's not necessarily the way I think, but the way I can um, look at my thoughts and decide whether or not I want to um, 
uh, either engage those thoughts or not. Um, and there's so many, when I was talking about books too, there's so many books out there to talk about this kind of stuff. And it's so amazing. Um, I would list some of them, but I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) So what I found interesting about your story is that you said, uh, initially that you started drinking after you came out. So you didn't start drinking to suppress this internalized homophobia or you did, and then it kind of just carried over that helped you come out. Well, so it's not that I, um, didn't start drinking until then. It's I didn't become a daily active sure. um, user where it affected my life. Um, before I was like so many people around me, go out on the weekends. You know, you go out on Friday or Saturday, or sometimes both. Maybe a happy hour um, during the week, but nothing that affected my life. You know, outside mm-hmm. of just that, right? Mm-hmm. So. For me, I didn't really, I used it as medication on the weekends. So like during the week I suffered and then relief yeah. on the weekends. Right. And it's like, so then I could just get that, that angst within me, the anxiety within me, mm-hmm. the depression, which would be worse the next day. But you know, that's in hindsight, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did, re- it did relieve my anxiety and it allowed me to talk to people. That was the biggest thing too. Like when I started, when I was younger drinking, that's when I realized, wow, I can speak to people because before I couldn't, you know, I was Social so, sh- oh God. yeah, so shy and introverted and just, I didn't know what, to, how to talk to people. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to say. Like, I didn't even know my own thoughts or feelings and how I felt about things. I just knew that probably anything that I say or did would be wrong because, yeah. right. Um, because I, I, I can't let anybody know I'm gay. Yeah. And everything about me is gay. Yeah. So what do I do? <laughs> Shut up, sit in a corner and hide, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, try not to get beat up by your brother. You uh, know? <laughs> that's so true though. And people who suffer with that, like in especially like bar scenarios, club settings, um, they're like, well, what do I do with my hands? And then if you're like, you know, this like closeted, maybe like feminine presenting gay man, it's like, well, crap. Like I do have to just sit on a corner because I mean, I guess the question I'm going to ask is, was there ever anxiety then when you were in the closet drinking that like, oops, like it could come out tonight or was it just so far down? It was, it was far enough down that I knew nothing would ever like develop anywhere, like, like sexually or, you know, physically with another person. Mm -hmm. Um, but it would be, um, not that far down where I wouldn't flirt. Yeah where I wouldn't flirt with a, um, another straight buddy, mm-hmm. you know, and I could get some relief from that, you know, and it's like stuff like that. But otherwise, no, I, I didn't really, you know, unless I got really drunk, did anything ever kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and I never mm-hmm. really worried about it because sure. there'd always be, I was drunk. Yeah. So were you, <laughs> right? It's yeah. like you point back and forth that, you know, and then you just pretend it never happened and somehow goes away. Right. Yeah don't focus on it disappears so then when did you notice that become a problem for you after you came out why were you using them uh so that okay so i I come out and the reason i come out is because i actually started so drinking right before i come out right right before i come out i start disappearing and going to you know different gay bars Right? And I'm like, but I can't walk in sober because I have no idea how to interact with gay 
people <laughs> at all, right? I have no idea what to do. I just know that I'm interested. You know, I know that that's what I want, but it's, I can't go sober. So I have to drink before I get there. And then I'm usually three sheets to the wind, you know, an hour after I'm in, right? And so I'm bombed and I'm trying to communicate with these people and I can't do it because I got too drunk because I couldn't do it sober, you know? So like that was happening mm-hmm. um, before, but then I met somebody um, out and, and the person I met happened to be an alcoholic. Mm. And I was like, well, my dad was an alcoholic. So, you know, whatever, I can deal with this, you know, no big deal. Um, but then I started drinking more, but I didn't really realize I was drinking more. I kind of knew I was drinking more, but I didn't really care because I could still manage things. And that was a couple of years. And then we broke up. And then the next guy I dated was an alcoholic. So like I fell into this kind of mode and it just kind of increased. Well, before, actually before that guy, um, and while I was with this guy, I came out while I was with that first guy, right? And I come out, and so the drinking starts happening more because A, he's drinking all the time, mm-hmm. so it's easier for me to grab something. Um, but then when him and I broke up, I started hanging out with other people that were gay in the community. Like I started finding friends, right? And I found a social group that was, um, it introduced me to Sunday Fun Day. I never used to drink on the weekends, or I mean on Sundays. You know, and during the week, pretty much, except for maybe Thursday. But they introduced me to Sunday fun days, which ended up becoming, you know, nasty Mondays, you know, like Sunday fun day, nasty Monday. And I need a drink to even get into work mm. because I'm shaking so mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. You know, I slept for an hour with night terrors and stuff like yeah. that. I actually I had a friend record my night terrors. It's not something to be, oh, it is not something to listen to, I believe that. <laughs> but I mean, that was because of the alcohol and because of the trauma and all that kind of stuff that I never got addressed. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how, like I, you know, two relationships of, you know, alcoholics that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, well, these I, were your ends to the gay community too. And so from your perspective, it's like, oh, this is normal. This yeah. is like what, gay people do probably and that is not yeah (laughs) um luckily i was kind of older um at this time so the drugs weren't necessarily so heavy mm -hmm. with the group that i was with they it was there and i could always imbibe on it if i wanted to but it wasn't my thing it was booze was my thing Mm -hmm. Um, the drugs made me do crazy shit and i'm like no i'm not you know it's easier just to be an ass and pass out than it is to do some of this other stuff that's going on. Yep. Um, and that's where I worried a lot for the younger um, folks because it's like drugs is like mm-hmm. heavy. And, you know, when we're first coming out, or at least when I was first coming out, and, it, uh, you know, it was a nightmare for me. I, I didn't know what to do yeah. um, with myself. And you don't plan. I mean, I mean, I love that nowadays it's, a, it's better um, for people to come out. I love that. I think it's amazing. Um, hopefully it just keeps going in that direction. Um, but like when I was growing up, it wasn't, it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and it's still a lot of areas of the world, you know, obviously it's not okay. Um, here in the U S even it's certain areas, it's not okay, mm-hmm. you know, and to be born in those areas is, you know, going to be a difficult ride for people. So, mm-hmm. 
I don't know why I went to that direction. <laughs> Stop me. One thing that you said um, that I think really sticks out and what I think a lot of people are worried about is like when you said, you know, I wouldn't drink during the week and then I would drink on the weekends. Um, and then versus after you came out, were you drinking every day or what was the difference, I guess? In- it was a slow progression. Mm-hmm. And I say slow, but I mean, it was only over like, you know, uh, two, three years. Um, but it was a progression of like, you know, coming out and dealing with that stuff. Um, I still didn't deal with it. Yeah. You know, I came out, but you know, now I'm vulnerable and I just had this alcoholic boyfriend at the time that, you know, to hold on to. And I mean, that relationship was obviously not healthy, Mm -hmm. right? It was very, not a good relationship, not a healthy relationship. Um, and so you would drink. You know, so it wasn't, I never got to like everyday drinking and waking up in the morning and drinking until probably four to five years later. And then I spent my forties in and out of treatment, Hmm. you know, um, I'm 51 today. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like, yeah, my forties were nothing but, you know, passing out somewhere on a park bench, you know, um, and then, you know, until couldn't do it anymore and then i'd go to a treatment center because i've been in and out of like multiple treatment centers it's mm-hmm. been over 12 yeah um and multiple times through each one you know <laughs> it's like you know i'm a chronic or a chronic relapser i guess but that's that's the thing about for me it's 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 my road you know um the path that i i got lucky to live through all of those yeah um, not many people do uh or can make it through that many um but it's like, you just keep trying, you just keep pushing and just keep trying to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't consider myself, you know, completely whole and healthy and it'll never be a problem again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, like the sayings that you hear, so, you know, continuously one day at a time, blah, 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 all those things, um, they're all true. Um, and it's just, you know, that's all I can do is what's happening here today. Yeah. Well, and in January, you will be celebrating three years, correct? Correct. January 2nd will be my three years. Um, It's the longest I've ever gone without a drink in my life, like ever. Like I started when I was like really young. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, kind of briefly said my father was an alcoholic and passed away from alcoholism. But before, you know, I was this tall stealing his beers um, so he wouldn't get drunk. And the only way, so I would steal them and drink them as fast as I could at like five, six years old, you know, it's like, and it was funny, you know, I mean, like I said, there's like eight of us and my parent, you know, my father or my mother, because they had separated. Um, But that's a big family to be laughing about what a little kid is doing by stealing, stealing dad's beer, you know, and know why I was stealing it, you know, (laughs) you know, but it was funny. So I kept doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I suppose from that young of an age, like to you, it was like, oh, this is good. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm bringing people joy and laughing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do to stay sober today? I mean, you're you're hitting three years. What, um, what do you do to keep that up? Um, well, uh, so I, I follow or have followed the, the multiple programs. Um, so <laughs> I kind of have an interesting process with, with my life right now. So, okay. So I got sober through the 12 steps and Buddhist approach combined. Um, and so a lot of the books that I've read were, were 
um, off of those um, those pathways, I guess. And so that's what really gave me the wow, the knowledge that I needed to help. Um, and then the spirituality came with working with other people. And so like once I was getting my head working in the right direction, I started working with my spirituality in that direction as well. And I mean, it was kind of simultaneously, but like, you know, it, they work together really well. And so it's like, I started doing those things. And then like today, what helps keep me sober is because I follow the 12 step, I have sponsees and sponsees are one of the biggest things for me. Mm -hmm. um, I just walking somebody through the program um, and then seeing their growth um, and, and just seeing the, how their lives has changed and watching them notice their lives are changing. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a gift you can't, can't describe. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I meet with them on a weekly basis, I get that weekly jolt. Um, I used to volunteer my time at Minnesota Recovery Connection. Um, so I'd go there and volunteer my time and I would make a, make phone calls to people who signed up to receive phone calls to talk about their recovery, right? T doing that was like something I never expected would be so good for me, you know, to call people in recovery that know I'm in recovery because they only take volunteers, whatever, there's a whole thing there. Um, but per people making calls are in sobriety or, you know, and then we're calling other people in sobriety. So it's kind of like the same thing. You're just being support for each other. You're just saying, hey, how, you know, how's your recovery going? And then you talk. And by the time I was done with the day of being there, and it was only a couple hours, my mood was down here before I walked in. It was way up here when I walked out. I, was, I, 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 I equated it with like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. You don't really want to go, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you do. And when you do, you're like, oh, thank God I did, right? I see that with sponsees too. God, I don't want to listen to this again today. Or I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this today. You know, I want to keep that hour free. Then I do it and I go and it's like, oh my God, I, well, how could I ever think of not going to this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you get that amazing feeling. Um, and so that's one of the other um, ways. And then <laughs> because I volunteered so much at Minnesota Recovery Connection, I now work for them. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm in every day, all day. So it's a little bigger for me, you know, to have recovery in my life than most, you know, or then I, I guess I can't say how many, but like, you know, it's different for me because like, um, I'm in it every day, Yeah. you know, uh, I guess just like people like LADCs and, mm -hmm. and counselors and stuff that, you know, you're in it every day. Yeah. It's hard not to be, you know, uh, grateful and, and sober. You know, and see it all around you because, you know, I, when I, when I have um, a sponsor that uh, re-engages with um, whatever substance that they're um, using, um, I can see what it looks like for me, you know, if I make that decision, you know, I can also see like, if I want to reach for a beer or a drink, you know, what does that look like for me? Because right then and there, that moment, what it looks like, looks like great time. It's like fun, right? But I can see the next one. I can see the next one and the next and the next. And it may not be that day, but it'll be down the line where I'm right back to where I was. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I asked myself the last time, the last go around, and having so many wonderful counselors and, and everything in my life, um, 
I remembered some of the things that came to mind, you know, um, one of my counselors was like, you know, after a relapse I had had and I'm back in her office and she's just like, you know, I'm, I'm hungover cause they let me come back and I'm in her office or I'm in the group setting and you know, I can't remember what we're talking about, but all of a sudden I just burst out. I'm like, why, why can't I get this? Why do I keep screwing this up? Am I constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself? You know, do I have this problem? You know, like, and I'm yelling and mm -hmm. she's like, Howard, just make the decision. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm here. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. You know? And she's like, make the decision. And I'm like, I am here. And she yells like, make that decision right <laughs> and at the time i didn't know what she meant at the time i thought i knew what she meant but i really didn't you know yeah. and it wasn't until afterwards when i after i made the decision and <laughs> like so much of recovery is after you've done the action do you actually see in hindsight what the results yeah. are and that's the thing like in in i think that's why i had to go through so many uh, treatment centers is because like, you know, I just wasn't participating. I was sitting back listening and going, I know all about this. You know, I could teach this, blah, 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 right? Sure, just about everybody in recovery can teach this. Mm -hmm. But if they're not doing anything, if I'm not doing, I keep saying, we, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, like doing the actual action of what, whatever pathway of recovery that you're on, we have to follow, we have to act um appropriately for recovery we have to when i say appropriately i act on the path that you're going act do the activity yeah because it's, because like it's not you, you showed up. up you 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 were there for attendance and just by being there you should reap the benefits because right. you're putting in the work but you're not actually maybe like doing it right um and showcasing it but i think a lot of hard workers do that and from your story it sounds like that was you where it's like, well, I'm showing up, I'm doing the work, and it's not translating. But with this, it's about something so much bigger. Yeah. It's a completely different, like, lifestyle change. It's, it's a completely a, different mindset. Yeah. And that's hard to accept right away, right? Like, I got to change everything. I got to mm -hmm. change where I live. I got to change who I talk to and who's in my life. I got to change where, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm, where I'm living, where I'm, what, what I'm doing. In my, you know, I got to change all of those things. And it's like when in early recovery, you're like, that's not going to happen. Right. You know, I've got my family that, you know, I'm still a part of, I've got relationships I'm still a part of, but <clears throat> what I have found through recovery is that a lot of those relationships are very, very surface mm -hmm. because a lot of them, A, they, well, for me, they didn't know me, you know, for a long, long time um, because I was this other character, um, but I didn't know them. And like the relationships were always very, you know, not, not conversational like this for me and my family and my, and my relationships because, you know, of where the region that, not the region, but the area that I grew up in, um, it was a different lifestyle than what I live today. Yeah. Um, and even what I lived when I was drinking, it was just, um, it was a lot different. Um, I lost my place. Give me another question or give me that question again. Yeah. <laughs>
um, honestly, I think um, I just want to thank you so much for sharing <laughs> yeah. um, your story with us. And um, thank you again for being here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and congrats on three years. Yeah, coming up. Not yet, though. Not yet, okay. Uh, two, years two years and ten and months. Some, yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. We'll see you next time.